so uh, I, I, I'm really excited to be back with you guys. Um, you know, when I'm on vacation, I don't stop. Like, like yeah. mom and I were talking about this the other day when, we got, when I got back. Um, we were up there because when mom's on vacation, she just likes to relax and do nothing. I, I can't do that for like 10 minutes. And then I'm like, can we do something? If, even if we're just sitting there watching TV, that's fine. But to sit out on the beach is like the worst thing in the world. Why would you want to do that? It's hot. It's sandy. It's not fun. Where's the joy in it? I, when I go on vacation, I'm like, let's go to Washington, D.C. so I can see all the monuments and the Smithsonian's and stuff like that. Let me go to Gettysburg so that I can do the, the, the tours and everything like that. Let me go to Williamsburg. Let me go to places that have these sorts of things because that's what I like to do. The other thing I do on vacation a lot of the time is kind of, I think about things. I, we, we, Maddie and I, I go to church when we're on vacation still. I don't just skip that Sunday. Um, and so I like to go to other churches and go, oh, wow, they do this really well. Maybe we could steal that. Oh, wow, they do that really well, but it doesn't fit with our congregation. We're not stealing that. Oh, wow, we do that better than them. <laughs> no. And so it's nice because when I go on vacation, oftentimes over these past almost three years, it'll be three years that I've been here in, what's day, the 25th? Four days. Four days from now will be the three-year anniversary, so the two vacations that I've taken and the honeymoon, uh, I did it on the honeymoon too, um, it gets me re-excited to, to, to come back and preach again. I miss it terribly. You know, you can kind of get, not in a rut, but in the pattern of, okay, every Sunday we're preaching, we're leading worship, and I love it, but it just becomes a little monotonous sometimes. Then you take that break, and I go, wow, I'm sitting in a pew in church, and I'm like, man, I wish I was in front of everybody right now giving a message. So I always like to do that because it makes me a little bit more excited, uh, reinvigorated, right? That's what vacations are supposed to do. Uh, so as we came back, I said, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, if you remember a, a month ago or so, I mentioned that two people had come to me and asked me for two separate sermon ideas. And we covered the one. Um, and then today we're going to cover, partially cover, the second one. We're going to talk about prayer a little bit today. Uh, and then next week as well, and maybe the week after that. We haven't, I haven't quite decided yet. But, um, so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we're just going to cover how to pray. And next week we're going to go into John and look at Jesus' long prayer uh, as a practical example, if you will. Uh, but today we're in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 5 through 13, uh, and we're just going to take a look at how we should pray. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. It reads, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the pr and pray in the synagogues and on street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's dive into this. Number one are your note sheets there. 
what you should not do, what you should not or shouldn't do. Our Savior here is breaking down for his disciples a bunch of different things, and in this, he breaks down how they should pray. Because he says, listen, you've been taught how to pray by the Pharisees. They don't know how to do it. Let me teach you. First off, by telling you what you should not do in two separate cases. So, don't be a hypocrite, or don't pray to be seen. Your job when you are praying is not to be seen by the people around you, and not to be seen as holier than the people around you. We all know these types of people, that when they pray, you walk out somehow not feeling closer to God, but more like an idiot than you were before. They use big terms, and they're, oh, Father in heaven, God, we love the kenosis. And you're like, what the heck is a kenosis? They use these words, and you're like, what are you doing? Uh, the kenosis was God emptying himself to become Jesus, to come down to earth. Yep, we get that from either Colossians or Philippians. One of them is the hyperstatic union, which means God is 100% man and 100% human. And one of them is in, I forget which one is where. One's in Philippians, one's in Colossians. No more big words. I'll do my best. Don't be a hypocrite, yeah. But they use, they, they, they try to make themselves look good to you. They want to look holier than you are. And when you leave, you don't feel any closer to God. In fact, maybe you feel a little further away from him. And that's what the Pharisees do. They would stand on the street corners and pray loudly in the synagogues and it was for everybody to look at them. And Jesus says, don't do that. Your job when you are praying is not to be seen. And then a few verses later, oh, we'll do this first. He says, their reward is already given to them. Their reward is that everybody thinks they're good, which means when they get to heaven, should they go to heaven, they don't get a reward there. Your reward is already given to you. Men think you're great, not God. You can choose which one you'd rather have. They have chosen that men think they're great. Then a few verses later, he says, and, and down there in, uh, in verse 7, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. This is perhaps the thing I hate most about some people who pray. I can't stand the people that say the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. God says, I already know what you're saying. You don't need to say it again. And so here's the thing. What this is not saying is that you should not be diligently praying for the same thing. What this is saying is, don't think that your words are going to get you heard. You don't need to say things 80 times for God to hear you. He already heard you. You see, there's a common link between these two, and it's that people see you when you pray in either of these ways. People see you, not God. So then how should you pray? That's number one, what you shouldn't do. Number two, what you should do. It says, listen, go into your secret room and pray there, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This doesn't mean that every time you pray, you should go in the closet and close the door. There's nothing wrong. In fact, there's a good thing about our daily, or our, excuse me, our weekly prayer meeting. Pray to God. It doesn't matter who sees you. Don't worry about what other people might think. That's what this is saying. Pray to God alone. Not 
so that people see you. I don't care if people think that I'm a bad pastor because my prayers are relatively short compared to other people's because I'm praying to God. It doesn't matter if people think you're smart or not. You're praying to God. And then on top of that, God hears what you are saying and he knows what you're going to say before you even say it. So don't worry about it. God knows what you're saying already. So don't just keep repeating yourself over and over and over again. Say it once. And the next day, say it again. And every time God puts it on your heart to pray for it, you pray for it. But when you are praying out loud to, with people around you, don't just keep repeating yourself and repeating yourself and repeating yourself. Then lastly, and perhaps this part we're going to spend the longest on. Number three is basic prayer. Because here's the thing. God said, or Jesus is teaching them. He goes, listen, they're going to need an example. They're going to need an example. And these are some of the verses that are most well-known in Scripture, right? Most people, even if they're not a Christian and don't go to church, know what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's walk through this because this is your basic of how to pray. Your prayers don't, your, let me say this from the top. Your prayers need to include one of these things. Every single one of your prayers need to include the very first thing that Jesus does. He starts by glorifying and honoring God. It's the very first thing he does. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the basis for every prayer that you pray. I don't care if it includes everything else here or not. You, every prayer you pray should include honoring and glorifying God and not just include it. It needs to start there every time. And then he continues on. Give us this day our daily bread. Ask God for provision. Now, this is a wide range of provision here. It's not just talking about your need for food. Don't go to God with a laundry list of, of grocery lists. That's a better thing. With a grocery list and say, okay, God, I checked off. I said this. I checked off. I said this. I checked off this. I checked off this. Great. We're done. But it's not a bad thing to ask God for the things that you need. In fact, it's a good thing to ask God for the things that you need. And they can range from your daily needs to we have somebody who's sick and we need healing. That's part of the provision. So you ask God for your provision and for the provision of others around you, not just for yourself. Now, it's not a bad thing to pray for yourself. Just pray for other people, too. Then we see we're supposed to ask for forgiveness and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. There are two types of sin, omission and commission. Sins of commission means you willfully chose to sin. Sins of omission are sins that you did not necessarily choose to do. They are unconscious sins sometimes or things you did not realize that you had done. And God says, ask for forgiveness. Ask God every day to forgive you of your sins. You need it, ask him to. This is not about salvation, but you need forgiveness for the sins you've committed after you were saved too. And then lastly, ask for wisdom and guidance. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There are two things in scripture that the Bible says God will give to you 
if you ask. Two. The first one is salvation. If you ask him for salvation, he is faithful to give it. There's actually three. The second one is forgiveness. If you ask him for forgiveness, he grants it. The third thing, and we read this in James, is wisdom. God does not withhold wisdom from his people. Oftentimes we don't follow that wisdom, but he doesn't withhold it from us. Ask him for wisdom and guidance in your life. I've mentioned it before, but every day I end my prayers by asking that God would lead me and guide me today to be the best man, pastor, and husband that I can be, to give me the words I need to say and the actions I need to take today. It doesn't always work because I don't always follow it, but he tells me what I'm supposed to do, and he shows me the paths I'm supposed to take. The question then is, are you going to walk them? And then notice how he ends it. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're right back to doing what? Glorifying God. You see, the whole thing revolves around him. How you should not pray leads people to see you. How you should pray leads people to see God. And when you are praising and glorifying him, notice there's no deep theological terms in this. Jesus doesn't make himself look great. He's just praying to God. Now, every single one of your prayers does not need to include provision and forgiveness and wisdom. Every single one needs to include you glorifying God. Sometimes you can just pray for provision. Sometimes you can just pray for wisdom. Sometimes you're just asking for forgiveness. But that's the basics of where you start. And then you go from there. So my challenge to you this week, and I apologize that this was a fairly quick sermon. Next week's going to be a little longer, so I decided to save the time this week and apply it to next week. But that's the basics of how you pray. The very, the very flat start. You glorify God. I can't drive, I know I've said that probably five or six times, right? I can't drive that point home enough. Prayer is not about you. It never has been, it never will be. You are talking to the creator and sustainer of the universe, the God of everything, and your savior. It was never about you in the first place. It's always been about him. You start by glorifying him. You finish by glorifying him. And in the middle, you ask for some stuff. And you walk in faith in that. Let me challenge you this week. Practical application. Every day, don't pray through the Lord's Prayer. Because there's nothing special about the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing holier about it than any other prayer. It's there to teach us how we should pray. Pray in that way. Take these four steps. Pray it. Pray through it. Start by glorifying and honoring God. And it can be as simple as, God, thank you for the incredible day you created for me. Thank you for allowing me to live and breathe and move in it. I don't care if it's raining or not, if it's sunny or not, if it's snowing or not. It can be as simple as that, or you can make it as elaborate as you want to. But start by doing that. Walk through that every day this week. And see if your prayer life starts to just switch just a little bit. I'm not saying life's going to get great and easy and amazing. I'm saying your prayer life starts to switch when you twitch that focus off of you. And we don't realize how often our prayers focus on us and not on God. That's your application this week and your challenge. Now, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are so incredible. You give us these words and the, and the knowledge of how to pray. Father, I'm asking that you would grant us the ability to do it, praise you to worship you, and to pray to you. And I just thank you that we have that right, that the veil was torn, 
that privilege, I should say, to pray to you. Father, it's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen and amen.